Hi, and welcome to another edition of Pull Your Shelf Together with eShaver Booksellers. I'm Melissa. I'm Jessica. And it's been a little while since we recorded one of these. We had some um, technical snafus. You might have noticed there was a few weeks in between um, our last two posted uh, podcasts um, just because there was some weird thing and it required multiple rounds of editing and well, here we are again. Here we are. Well, <laughs> and and also, we were busy. We um, last week we attended a virtual conference, which is not. It was my first virtual conference. Melissa has done another one. Yes, but it was the first virtual conference that I've been to. That was really being on Zoom from eight o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night, five days in a row. It was, um, although. I enjoyed the format for a lot of reasons. Um, one, the food was excellent. Yes, we got takeout at Jessica's house. It was <laughs> delicious. <laughs> and, and I cooked breakfast one yeah, morning, yeah. too, for us. The coffee was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had uh, my pets around me, which was nice, and I got to sleep in my own bed at night. That was a bonus as well, sleeping in my own bed. Yes. Now, I do like to travel, but sometimes when we go to these conferences, it's such a whirlwind that we come back, you know, exhausted. So even though it was kind of draining to be in front of the computer all day long, I, which I'm not used to. No. Um, and definitely not used to sitting that much. I think we got a lot of useful information. Oh, yeah. We learned a lot of incredible things. Got to see a lot of great authors. Got to hear about a lot of great books that are coming out. So that was all very, very good. Um, it just... It doesn't seem like it should be exhausting to sit in front of a computer for that long, but it really kind of is. It is. It's exhausting in a different way. Yes. Well, and there was a lot of information coming in Mm -hmm. all at once, Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it, and Mm -hmm. um, we do look forward to when we can be back with our fellow booksellers um, across the country that we normally meet with a couple of times a year, but this was was a good substitute. I mean, it it worked out. Worked out reasonably well. So at any rate, that is why. That is why it's been a little while, but we, we should be back on track now. We should be, and um, we've missed you all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I feel like we learned a lot in the past two weeks. Between that and moving the entire bookshop around. Yes. So if you have previously been in the bookshop in person mm-hmm. um, and haven't been there in a while... The next time you visit, you will notice it is completely different. We move the entire store around. The only section that did not move is the cookbooks. And that was really because we were like, you know what? Cookbooks are heavy. Let's mm-hmm. just not. But the whole the whole store otherwise has been moved. Well, and, and the cookbooks fit well where they are. Yeah, they do. So um, we hope you like it. Um, I think it makes a lot more sense now, mm-hmm. the layout. And it seems to have really sparked interest in a lot of areas that were kind of struggling in the bookstore that we thought were important, but maybe people just couldn't see them. And yeah, there were a lot of sections that were just not in the right place for them. So they weren't being seen. And we moved the kids' room um, to a new room, and it's actually quite wonderful. Like It uh, really is. Yeah, I'm very, very happy with the results. So um, I am too. Other than the shelves are not perfect, but someday they will be. It's, it's the ongoing quest of the bookstore to have the, the perfect shelves. And but the perfect from, carpenter. Yes, but from what we've heard from every other bookshop, they too are questing for the perfect shelves. It's not just us. No, <laughs> it's true. Well, okay. So 
What have we been reading lately, Melissa? Um, okay. Well, so I finally managed to get around to reading The Testaments by Margaret Atwood. Mm -hmm. Um, I assume everybody knows that The Testaments is the sequel to The Handmaid's Tale. Um, it shared the Man Booker Prize last year, Mm -hmm. um, with Girl, Woman, Other, and, um... I have to say, I I didn't go into it having that high of hopes because sometimes I feel like books like this that are put out as a sequel to a much older book, um, especially when there's been a TV show in between the two, right. are not necessarily going to be the best or the most um, true to the feeling of the original book. I... I think that sometimes they're just put out for the popularity and because they feel like they have to. Mm-hmm. This one, I think that Margaret Atwood actually has been thinking about this since she finished um, The Handmaid's Tale. Um, it is interesting because it is um, it's broken into kind of three different narratives and. One of them is Aunt Lydia Mm -hmm. writing kind of her own story. And she is doing this on the sly. Nobody can know about it. And she's like writing this uh, manuscript and hiding it in the pages of another book as she's writing it. And then there are two first person um, transcripts from two women. And one is a girl who grew up in Gilead and becomes an aunt like she's supposed to be married Mm -hmm. but decides that she's had a calling so does it start out kind of in the same way that the handmaid's tale does um or do we how do you how do you mean i mean is it are we looking into the past or Uh, no this is um about maybe like 17 years after The Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's not... Cl- she doesn't tell you how many years it is in between, but it is definitely after The Handmaid's Tale. Um, and then the second first-person testimony is a girl who's been living in Canada, and her parents are killed... And she learns that those weren't actually her parents, that she was actually smuggled out of Gilead as a child. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting from the standpoint that I feel like Margaret Atwood was trying to give sort of a redemptive ending to Aunt Lydia, Mm-hmm. Even though she's an awful, 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 awful person who does really terrible things. Um, you get her backstory, like she flashes back and tells mm-hmm. you how she came to be in the position that she was in, um, where she was in life before Gilead became Gilead. Um, she actually had been a successful lawyer and a judge, mm-hmm. and um, it was basically conform or we're going to kill you. And so she took the path of power and least resistance and conformed. But, but there's more to her there, yeah. and, and she's actually quite an interesting character. Um, well, I like that it's fleshed out and that it doesn't leave her as one dimensional and just bad. I mean, yeah, that, yeah. that, that everybody gets to point B from point A. Yeah. And that's sometimes a very interesting story. Well, and I think, 
in The Handmaid's Tale, she's not overly fleshed out. She is very right. one dimensional, and it's not that's not her story. Like that, right. that book is focusing on something something different. Um, I just uh, again, it was timely. I'm mm-hmm. I feel like. Um, Probably when she wrote it, or when she wrote The Handmaid's Tale initially in the 80s, she didn't really think that things would be so close to what she was writing. No. But what, um, so this I read for a book club, and in the book club discussion, um, Margaret Atwood, we were talking about what prompted her to write it. Um, She said in an interview that when she was writing The Handmaid's Tale and also with the Testaments, that things that happened in there, she took from real life. Like, they had to have been done by humans to other humans Mm -hmm. in some way or she didn't put them in the book because she wanted it to be that realistic. So it may not have been things that happened in the United States or happened in Canada, but these things happened all around the world, and she actually has news articles where these things have happened. And that's just terrifying to me. It is. Well, and that's part of, I think, what made the television series so difficult to watch. Um, I couldn't get past the first episode. Yeah. Like, it was hard enough for me to read it because it it is disturbing. Um, having a visual element to it was too much for me. I couldn't do it. Uh, yeah. I um, We saw her when this book first came out. At Winter Institute. Um, oh, it was getting ready to come out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was getting ready to come out. And um, and it was fun to see her because she is older now. And her sensibilities are... are um, I mean, the way she presents... Like, she walked onto stage with her pocketbook under her arm and sat it down next to her chair. She's just... Um, she was very funny. And she opened up by saying, um, I know why you all have come to see me. It's because you think I'm going to die soon. <laughs> yeah. But she still lives on and has now got a book of poetry coming out. Yeah, I think she actually start started writing poetry mm-hmm. initially and yes. then moved into novels. But yeah, she has a new book of poetry coming out. So, so that's exciting. Also, a minute about this book group. Um, so for years, the bookstore has hosted Lost in a Great Book, which was, um, was Frank Logue and his wife, um, Victoria. Victoria. And um, who is from Virginia, so I always <laughs> want to say Virginia. But um, when I first bought the bookstore, they were very kind and approached me and asked if they could have a book group in the store, and they were going to read classics, um, award-winning classics from every single genre. And this was before the store was hosting our own book club. So this was the first book club that met in the store. It was, and it was really a labor of love for Frank and... Victoria to do and it was a a great kindness to me because um, I was trying to build community in the bookstore and they already had a lot of relationships and so they really helped start you know the book groups and sense of community that we have at the store now and it's gone for this this last meeting was the 49th meeting of the book club so over four years yes and it's been wonderful and we're sad to see it come to an end but um I know that Frank has a a new job and a lot more responsibilities now, and so it's been hard for him to uh, keep up with all of it. And um, and especially during pandemic yes. times, it's been m- much more difficult. But we're going to miss them. Yes, very um, much so. 
but we're, we're doing our best um, with our other book groups via Zoom. But yeah. I just wanted to give that, that book group a, a shout out and a fond farewell. And maybe someday, you know, maybe someday we'll get back to it. Yeah, but we, we really, really appreciated them. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I have been on an escapism bent. Yes. Um, I just can't. I just can't right now. <laughs> I um, There's just enough going on where I need to read things that are um, relatively happy or escapist, um, which is not my normal reading. Normally, I like dark and depressing. Mm-hmm. But um, so I finally finished Hench, which was amazing. <laughs> Melissa has already talked about this book, so I won't go too far into it, other than to say I did not want to... I didn't want it to end. Absolutely did not want it to end. I I loved every minute of it. It was so much fun. It was such a good escape. And I sincerely hope that she has another one in the same universe because it was was just fantastic. Um, the, The next escapist book, actually, I read, oh, gosh, several years ago which is several, several years ago when my <laughs> children were young and I needed uh, kind of to jump out of reality. And I was deeply into obscure British writers that wrote um, pre-World War One, but just up to it or between the wars. And so I... It's a, a niche. It, it, it is indeed a niche. It is a niche. But a friend of mine recommended E.F. Benson and... Um, I just fell in love. He is a prolific writer and a very interesting human. Um, but the books that I fell into and loved are the Map and Lucia series. And they are so much fun. And there are plenty of them. And they've started reprinting them. For a while, they had gone out of print and they were hard to find. But um, now they've been brought back in different volumes, I think because of the popularity of a BBC I know we in the store have them in kind of a collected volume. So we have Mm -hmm. like a two volume set that has the collected novels in them. Um, But they, there are Queen Lucia, which came in 1920 and then Miss Mapp who is introduced. She is uh, Lucia's uh, sort of arch rival in the small town that they live in. And um, then Lucia in London and then, um, Map and Lucia, Lucia's Progress, and Trouble for Lucia. <laughs> Lucia's Progress makes yes. me think of Pilgrim's Progress, but I doubt it, it's a similar journey. A little bit. <laughs> so Benson's father was actually um, a priest, and he was um, an academic as well, and as was Benson. And so... You can see a lot of that in the book, but it he he captures sort of this small village life with these big personalities remarkably well. They're kind of campy. They're a little bit catty, um, actually. Who's but they're they're, they're extra- a lot of bit catty. <laughs> they're a lot of bit catty. Uh, the main character lives at the Mallards. She's just moved to this little town called Tilling, which is on the sea. And she is, um, which is based on sort of East Sussex. And she, she has been to Italy. Um, she was Lucy, but now she is Lucia. Mm. Um, she plays the piano, but only the Moonlight Sonata. Well, sure. Yes. And she entertains with this special lobster dish that she's famous for. And she won't give the recipe to anybody else in town. Miss mm. Mapp is very envious of this and is dying to get the recipe. But... 
there's it's not going to happen. Okay, and not going to happen. But um, it, it's just about their their everyday sort of warring as to who's going to be queen of the village, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've ever been in a church committee or um, uh, worked with a large group of women, you will recognize these characters. Yes. Yes. They are, are they they do not work and they have great social aspirations mm-hmm. in their small town. Um yeah, so I would I would recommend them if you are looking for a diversion right now. They're they're a lot of fun, especially if you're particularly fond of literature that takes place between <laughs> roughly nineteen eighteen and nineteen thirty-four, thirty-five. Um, if you're one of those five people, <laughs> it might be 10 or 15. Be surprised. Um, please look for Map and Lucia. Um, there is a TV series, uh, I think, that the BBC put out, which is pretty good. Um, but I would read the books first. All right. Um, yes. Okay, so again, um, with my next pick, I'm a little late to the party because this book has been out for a while, and actually I think she has two others that have come after this. Um, But the book is called Meaty by Samantha Mm -hmm. Irby. Um, For those of you who do not know, um, Samantha Irby is a comedian. Um, She's really well known for her blog, which is called Bitches Gotta Eat. (laughs) Um, and this is a collection of essays and I, I'm just going to say, I laughed so much reading this that I was crying and then I continued laughing and my sides hurt the next day because I laughed so hard. I need to read this. Oh my God. It's so good. Um, so it's like heartfelt, hilarious filthy um she's got a mouth on her which i appreciate if anybody's ever spoken to me in real life you know that i do not shy away from the (laughs) f-bombs um yeah so she had a rough childhood um she was a very um kind of out of place kid um very very nerdy didn't fit in her mom had multiple sclerosis and actually became very 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 ill um when she was a child her dad wasn't around um and she ended up like when she was 9 years old basically having to care for her mom who was unable to to work anymore, unable to really get around. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually her mother passed away, um, and she was on her own as a child. Um, but she manages to talk about these experiences in a way that you understand that they were hard, and you understand that she's not making light of it, but she still can talk about it with a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Um, She also, as a young adult, um, developed Crohn's disease. And that is something she talks about a lot. So if you're not okay with hearing about people's digestive systems and the end results of that, this is not going to be the book for you. (laughs) Um, It really reminds me, and this is one of the highest compliments I can give, of 
um, the way Jenny Lawson talks mm-hmm. about mental illness in her yes. books, that's how Samantha Irby talks about Crohn's disease and the things she's kind of dealt with in her life. Um, it's, you know, again, you learn a lot from it and it's heartfelt and there's moments where your, your heart breaks, but at the next minute you're laughing hysterically because of the turn of phrase. That's exactly what this book is like. Um, so just, it was it was at the perfect time when I needed mm-hmm. a good laugh, and I think actually Caitlin picked this as her November humor book club pick. So um, if people are interested in reading it and want to discuss it, there's a a Zoom book club in November that's about meaty. Yes. But I highly recommend it. I have her other two books, and I'm very excited about reading them. We are never meeting in real life. Yeah, and wow, no thank you. Um, <laughs> which are both great titles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they really are. I mean, I, her blog is hilarious. Um, there's, I was just kind of flipping through it, and she mm-hmm. hasn't written on her blog in probably about a year now. It, it seems like it may be a little more defunct, but it's still mm-hmm. on her website, so you can access her older posts. But there's one talking about um, all the... Uh, expensive beauty products that she buys herself sometimes to make herself feel better and she <laughs> she goes into great detail about some of the comments that she gets from people about like basically shaming her for her $62 lipstick and oh. she does not care for that no <laughs> she does not suffer the shame <laughs> no no but it's um, it's quite excellent i know well i've i've uh, picked up uh, wow no thank you so many times um because I think it's such a great title. Oh yeah, and her book covers are always yeah. Her book covers are great. On. They're brightly covered and have are brightly colored and have an animal on them each time. Like the kitten on the front of "We're Never Meeting in Real Life." Yes, yeah. is, is this bedraggled, wet, mm-hmm. hysterical, and meaty as a hedgehog. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Well, I am looking forward to reading those, and hopefully, I will get to it before all the November book groups start because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just about done with my reading for the October book groups. Yes. Yes. Which is very exciting. Um, I have been rereading Longborn, which I am enjoying. It's, um, it's funny because it's not exactly as I remember it. It's a little grittier than I had remembered and I don't want to spoil it, but the below stairs life can be hard. Uh, there weren't any washing machines. No. I'm just going to put that out there. And well, it was and cold you, and muddy. They, they were and also serving Mrs. Bennett. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mrs. Bennett is a bit of a problem. She's she's, she's a, a handful. She's a treat. Um, there's Anyway, and Melissa and I will discuss that further the next time we talk. Yes, because I'll yes. have actually read it by yes. then. <laughs> and then I'm also rereading Franny and Zoe. Um, Which I just finished for the first time. It's... Um, it's so good, and I love the Glass family, and we'll discuss that further next Just time, made me too. feel like I was living in an ashtray. <laughs> There's a lot of smoking. There's a lot of smoking. So much smoking. <laughs> Whoever bought the Glass apartment, <sighs> yeah, the walls were probably yellow. Yeah, no doubt. There's no a doubt. reason they had to repaint. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, so the next book that I'm going to talk about, actually, Melissa and I read when it first came out, which has been... Quite a while ago. I think we read it in the arc. We read it in the arc. Um, so probably 2016, 2015, mm-hmm. roughly. Yeah, um, probably. It um, was very close to when I first started, started working, working the at store. the store. Yeah. Um, and we, yeah, it would have been 2016. Yeah. Um, we both really enjoyed it. It is, 
It is a, a fairly dark book, actually, but beautifully written. Um, this is by Hannah Tenty, and it's called The Twelve Lives of Samuel Hawley. And I, I think, um, although we still sell it, I think this book, for some reason, just gets a little overlooked, but it is um, a really good read. It's loosely based off the Twelve Labors of Hercules. Like, it's yes. supposed to kind of mirror that. But in this book, it's the story of the 12 times that the main character's father has been shot. Yes. And so each chapter, one chapter will be about what's going on in their current life. Mm -hmm. And it's told from Lou's point of view, which Mm -hmm. is the daughter. And so it's Samuel Hawley and his daughter, Lou, who are living on the road. They never stay anywhere for very long. Um, Her mother has died, Lily, and it was tragic. And nobody has really recovered from that. So everywhere they go, they sort of take a little shrine of Lily, her Mm -hmm. her shampoo, a picture of her, like um, a note, a grocery list she wrote. Mm -hmm. And um, as they move from town to town, and... As Lou begins to come of age, they finally settle down. So you start off from her point of view, and then the next chapter will be about bullet number one. Yeah, so it's a flashback from um, Samuel's perspective, or um, like an omniscient perspective telling the story of how he got shot that time. Um, The the writing is beautiful. It really is beautiful. And the whole book is really kind of a testament to the lengths that this father will go to to keep his daughter safe. Yeah, and and the love he has for her. And then as she grows, the love she has for her father, but she's also, you know, a teenager looking for answers. and Who is sick to, of moving around constantly yeah, and not having a life. <laughs> and wants to know more about her mother and really wants to know about her father and wants to have a boyfriend and mm-hmm. um, some normalcy. And so they end up in a seaside town... Um, are they in Maine? In, uh, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Okay. Um, Olympus, Massachusetts. And um, and they start to kind of build a life there. Mm-hmm. But um, everybody's got a past, and sometimes it catches up with you. Um, I, I can't really say more about it without giving away too much, except for the writing really is just amazing. Um I will and say the the paperback cover is nice, but when this book came out in hardcover, it was beautiful. It like really, the yeah. actual like um, package of like the the hardcover itself was patterned, and then the dust jacket that went over it had cutouts. Mm-hmm. That it was it was just a it gorgeous did. book. It had twelve cutouts. Yes, yes. Um, it was a gorgeous book. There, I I don't think they could have done as well with the paperback no, cover, no. but. Um, but it is lovely, and I think we both highly recommend this book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's not escapist, but the, even with the dark subject matter, really the writing is so good that it does propel you into a different world. Yeah, that one actually lived in my staff picks for a while. Um, it has gotten moved out since, the, and, you know, because the ever-growing list mm-hmm. of books that I love. But we need to... Put that back Put in good. one of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. We'll get a new copy that doesn't have um, <laughs> cat. Um, sometimes the cats like to chew on books. Sometimes they do. And um, they have excellent taste in literature. Yes, <laughs> uh, they do. And someone really 
Yeah. Took a bite out of this one. Yes. So, um, all right. So, Hannah Tenty, The Twelve Lives of Samuel Hawley. All right. Well, so the last one I'm going to talk about um, is called Upright Women Wanted, and it's by Sarah Gailey. And um, I talked about Sarah's work before because I had read their book, um, Magic for Liars. Mm-hmm. And this one is, um, it came out actually February or March, so kind of right when the pandemic was starting in earnest. Mm -hmm. And um, I think has kind of gotten overlooked because of that. Um, And it is a almost, I would say, novella. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a very short, it was put out by Tor um, and... So um, about 120 pages, roughly, or yeah. Um, I, I let, let me let me look here for sure. Um, it is 176 pages. So, ah. but um, yeah. It was, so it was tour dot com. Um, and again, I love their books. Um, but this one was interesting. Because I don't generally enjoy the Western, mm-hmm. um, as Which is not J- my Jessica genre and I either. have that in common. But this was a queer dystopian <laughs> near future Western about badass librarians. Okay, well now that I might be able to do. Yeah. So, yeah. so they I they hooked me with the badass librarians mm-hmm. in the dystopian future. Um, so something has happened. Um, they don't explain anything but you know that something has happened where there's been sort of a um uh, a coup or something in the government and in the southwest it's just kind of these like mm-hmm. badland sort of situation um and there's um they've cracked down on what people can and can't read there's approved materials and you know that kind mm-hmm. of thing so the main character in this is Esther, and she has stowed away in the book wagon of librarians who travel from town to town distributing approved materials. Aha. So she has she's trying to escape an arranged marriage that her father has arranged for her. She was supposed to marry the man who was previously engaged to her best friend. Oh. The reason he is no longer engaged to her best friend is because her best friend was hanged for possessing resistance materials. Oh, boy. Um, that's that's kind of dark. It is very dark. Um, and this is not giving anything away because this is in, like, the first, like, five pages of the book. You come to find out that she was actually Esther was actually in love with her best friend and they had a relationship which is also not mm-hmm. talked about and not approved of um so she stows away the librarians find her and she basically convinces them to take her to kind of a safe resistance area mm-hmm but she's also hoping that they'll train her and maybe let her be a librarian if she proves that she can be useful. Okay. Um, so they have in the, they have two librarians, and then they have a third person that travels with them who um, 
repairs books and mm-hmm. does like book binding and that kind of stuff. Um, and they also are picking up a package to deliver it to the resistance area, like the freelance mm-hmm. as okay. well. And the package proves to be problematic. Oh dear. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it sounds very good. It actually was very but good. But very um, dark. It w- Yes, very dark. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not usually a, a Western fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than the horses and wagons, it doesn't really play too much off the Western theme. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, it was fine. Um, I think it was... Uh, I think there was too much gun smoke in my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it was too many reruns of my dad watching John Wayne movies mm-hmm. and Audie Murphy, yes. who I can tell you was both a Western actor... And the most decorated soldier in World War II. Every time we watched a movie that had an Audie Murphy in it, I got to hear all about that. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, yes and yes. And yes. yes. <laughs> I, had, I had a great grandmother who liked to um, drink Coca-Cola and watch Gunsmoke and smoke cigarettes. And that was babysitting me when... Um, that's uh, that's yes. a good time. <laughs> and she had um, one of those straw carpeting... Um, like seagrass almost, the braided rugs. Oh, that, yeah. And I like to sit on the floor, and those are horribly uncomfortable to yeah, sit on for yeah. long periods of time. <laughs> I would imagine so. <laughs> Especially when you're feeling nauseous from drinking too much Coca-Cola. And, and all the cigarette smoke the cigarette that you're inhaling as a child. <laughs> while watching episode after episode of Gunsmoke. Good times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's no wonder you're the well-adjusted individual you are today. <laughs> She, I'm. She actually was a fascinating woman, and um, I was too young to appreciate all that at the time. Sure. Um, and she was too old to really, you know, want to be bothered with babysitting me in the first place. Fair but enough. Every now and again, well, I think people had re- to go out. Yeah. I think once you've reached a certain age, <laughs> you're done. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so I am listening to a book right now that I'm really enjoying, and I'm not. Sure, I would call it completely escapist, but it is um, it is Elena Ferrante's new book, The Lying Life of Adults, and it's one of those books where, again, her writing is so good. Yeah, that um, it, and it is a different world. I mean, it this takes place in Naples again. Is this a standalone novel? It is a standalone novel, okay. so you do not have to have read any of her works before. As um, I think everyone knows she wrote the Neapolitan Quartet, My Brilliant Friend, Mm -hmm. and then the story of a new name, Those Who Leave and Those Who Stay, and the the story of the lost child. And um, she's written a lot of other things, but Mm -hmm. I think she's most famous for that. Yeah. And I picked those up um, when I started watching them. Normally I read and then watch, but with these I started watching the HBO series that they had of them, and it was so good that then I turned to her writing. And... um, I haven't finished the quartet, but I I will. I'll kind of finish them along with my watching of them. Well, I feel like those are like the one kind of series of books, other than the Louise Penny books, that Mm -hmm. when people start one of them and and they come to the store, they just finish them all because they are just so drawn Well, there's such a treat. There are actually books that I hold back on reading because I want to save them for like when I'm on vacation and I can just read all day oh, long. I, dude, I completely get that. I, yeah. You know how jonesed I was about getting the arc for the Starless Seed, like mm-hmm. the Aaron Morgenstern book. And then I, so we got that in January. I didn't read it until like 
the week before the book actually came out because I didn't want it to be over and I hadn't even started it. Because I had been waiting for it for so long, I just didn't want it to be done. All right, so I'm actually listening to this book. Um, it's not on Libro FM, but it's on Volumes, which is something that uh, Penguin Random House puts out just for booksellers and um, for their sales reps. And it gives us little snippets of books, but they offer you a couple of um, listening copies, advanced listening copies, and um, it's. And they also have several podcasts on there, and and digressing a bit we really are reading load trying to keep up with everything we want to read we need to read for book groups and then just to be current um can be overwhelming so I'm usually listening to a book or two as I'm reading things and this one I I had started listening to a couple of other books which are wonderful and I will go back to them but they were a little too sad for me right now um and so this one I jumped into because it's just so different uh, the main character is um, turning into a teenager, and her name is Giovanna, and she lives with her parents um, in a wealthy neighborhood in Naples, and she starts struggling at school, which is unusual. Her parents are her father is a teacher at a elite private school, um, high school, and her mother teaches Greek and Latin and also edits romance novels. Um, And so she's been brought up and as a sort of non-churched, clear-thinking, never-tell-a-lie daughter of an intellectual family, and suddenly she just starts being a lot less interested in school and starts being more of a teenager. Sure. So she has the door open, and she overhears her parents having a conversation. And her father says, Giovanna's face is changing. It's turning ugly. Um, She's becoming more like Aunt Vittoria every day. And Aunt Vittoria is this figure that looms over the house, his sister that he does not speak to, that he hates, that he says is the most horrific, horrible person ever. And... um, And so Giovanna gets very upset about this, and then she gets this morbid curiosity about her aunt and won't stop until she goes to meet her. And so she meets her aunt, who lives in the very poorest part of Naples, and she starts uncovering the lying life of adults. You know, she hears her aunt's version of why her father and mother don't speak to her aunt. Um, She learns that she has other family members and cousins that she's never really spent any time with. Um, She's been told they're awful people, but when she meets them, they're very accepting. And her aunt keeps telling her to watch her parents, and she'll learn the truth about everything then. And so she really starts to just watch everything that's going on around her and start seeing things that um, ultimately... And this is all in the first part of the book. When it starts, you know that the father is going to leave in two years because it's kind of in the opening line. But it it starts the downfall of her family. Hmm. Um, and, and, and then she becomes a teenager and she learns to lie. And it I haven't finished it yet, but it just progresses through her teenage coming-of-age life. And um, it's... 
again, it's just beautifully written. She writes, the way she describes the relationships between, um, between Giovanna and her friends, her, she has two friends that she's close with, and they are the daughters of her parents' close friends. Um, and then the way she describes Aunt Vittoria and their relationship and the cousins, it's, you just really feel transported. I mean, I've, I, I almost accidentally went to Naples because we got on the wrong train, but um, <laughs> I have never been to Naples. And it's, it's such an otherworldly place to me um, and such a different way of living. Um, it's really, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Very good. Well... I think that's all we have for this week. I think that's all we have for this week. Um, yeah, so I um, I look forward to the next time we get together to talk about books, although we talk about books all day, every day. It's okay. We can, we can keep doing that. We can keep doing that. That's yes. one of the things we like. Yes. Um, but yeah, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks with some more book recommendations. But in that time, you all stay well and read books and... Yes, lots and lots of books, mm-hmm. or as many as you feel comfortable with. Yeah, well, yes. you do you. And if, <laughs> if you're ever looking for more um, obscure British literature, you know, just let me know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. And if you heard about anything on here that you're interested in, there is a page on our website, eshaperbooks.com, that's features all the books that were on here that we talked about and you can buy them through the website. Absolutely. Or we are open to the public in a limited sort of way in the store. Um, we were just discussing how this will all work and over the holidays. And, um, if you are planning on giving the gift of reading for the holidays, we do recommend that maybe you kind of start thinking about it a little in advance this year. Yeah. A little earlier than you might necessarily shop for the holidays. Um, just know that there are going to be some supply chain issues. And I feel like this is going to be across the board retail-wise that it's going to take longer for everybody to get things than they normally would. And also with limiting the number of people in the store, it's going to change the way holiday shopping goes mm-hmm. this year. Um, so just be mindful of that and and kind of think about that a little in advance. Um, and know that our website is a good resource for things like that, mm-hmm. that if you are kind of making your list that you can go through and read descriptions of books and get an idea of what's out there mm-hmm. and even, um, you know, order them and have them wrapped and just pick them up. From and the store. we are always available to give recommendations. If you have someone that you're shopping for that you maybe don't know exactly what to get. Mm-hmm. Um, so just some things to think about just to be mindful of. Um, the American Booksellers Association uh, has a big push this year that's called October is the New December. So just just know that that's a thing. It is. Um, but we, well, I, I think we have no idea what the holidays will be like this year. Um, but we're going to try to make them happy however however we, we go through this. Yes. <laughs> so. All right. Well, you all stay well. Take care. Bye.